0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church Podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone, and today we are in week 32 of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. Today, we're going to be talking to you uh, about questions 86 and 87. Now this week, uh, we're beginning the third and final section of the Catechism. You may remember um, when we first kicked this whole thing off and then kind of along the way... Uh, we we talked about the fact that this catechism is broken into three major sections. There's a section on guilt. Uh, It focuses in on our guilt, specifically our guilt before God, our state of being sinners before God. So there's that guilt section. We dealt with that at the very beginning. Uh, And then from there, we moved on into the grace section that helps us understand that Uh, In response to our guilt, God has provided grace. God has shown us grace through Christ, and we've been studying what that grace means and looks like. And now we're going to turn to the third section, which is about gratitude. It's about our response of gratitude in light of God's gracious work in our lives. And the aim of this section is to understand how God's grace motivates that response, how God's grace motivates our, our heart of love for Him and a life of obedience to him. And to kick off this new section on gratitude, we're going to look at questions today that try to make sense of our Christian commitment to good works, despite the fact that our salvation is completely a work of God's grace. Uh, it's all of grace. We talk about that all the time. And if it is all of grace, then why should we do good works at all? And just so we're clear, this particular question is not a new question in fact we see the apostles answering this question throughout the new testament james john and paul specifically address this very thing in romans chapter 6 the apostle paul wrote what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means how can we who died to sin still live in it? The Apostle Paul addressed this, what we might call antinomian, a anti-law sentiment in Romans. He he addressed it in Galatians as well. He talked about it in Colossians even. So the Apostle Paul had to deal with this particular question quite a bit. James Uh, The brother of Jesus also addressed this particular question. In James chapter 2, we read this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, well, go in peace, be warmed and filled, but does not give them the things needed for the body, then what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Right? So James is trying to get that same thing across. You might say you have faith in Christ and you may actually possess faith in Christ, but if that faith is not accompanied by a resultant work of love and obedience, then it's a dead faith. In 1 John chapter 2, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later in uh, in answering some of these questions, in 1 John chapter 2, John wrote this. He says, "Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments, that person is a liar." And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And by this, we know that we're in him. Whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So the grace that God has shown to us does not keep us from engaging in good works. It actually motivates us to engage in good works. And so the question of how the grace of God goes hand in hand with obedience, the obedience of good works in the believer, it's a really important one. And that's what the Heidelberg is going to do today. It's going to address that particular question and then give us some answers. And honestly, I think the Heidelberg does a pretty good job Of answering these questions. So let's look at question 86. Here's how it reads. We have been delivered from our misery by God's grace alone through Christ and not because we have earned it. Why then must we still do good or why then must we still do good works? And here's the answer. Now the answer is really rich and I'm going to break it down into the, the five parts that we see here. But here's the answer. To be sure, Christ has redeemed us by his blood But we do good because Christ, by His Spirit, is also renewing us to be like Himself, so that in all our living we may show that we are thankful to God for all that He has done for us, and so that He may be praised through us. And we do good so that we may be assured uh, of our faith by its fruits, and so that by our godly living our neighbors may be won over to Christ. Now, you, know, you might not have caught it, but there are five distinct reasons that the Catechism gives as to why we do good works um, as a result uh, of our faith in Christ. Why must good works be the pursuit of the Christian life? Five different reasons, and every single one of these reasons is rooted in the clear teaching of New Testament Scripture. So let's look at these in turn. Number one, why must we do good works? Because Christ, by His Spirit is renewing us to be like himself. Now, Jesus is the one that does the perfect good works. Jesus kept the law faithfully. He never disobeyed. He always obeyed the Father. And he was the perfect, uh, obedient Savior, the perfect, obedient Son, the perfect, obedient example for us. And the Spirit of God is at work in the believer to make us more like Christ, the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts to convict us of sin, to convict us of righteousness, and to convict us of the judgment that is to come. And the Spirit is growing us in the knowledge of God's Word and in the obedience of God's Word to the point that we are becoming more like Jesus. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 says this Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord. Who is the Spirit? Now, you can also look at uh, Romans that that talks about the fact that, uh, in Romans 8, it talks about the fact that we have been saved, we have been justified in order to be conformed to the image of Christ. Well, if you couple that with this passage here in 2 Corinthians and you realize that the Spirit of God who is at work in us is the one that is conforming us, growing us, transforming us to look more and more like Christ. So, we do good works in our life of faith so that we can be more like Jesus. That's the Spirit's work in us. That's the answer, uh, the first answer, the first reason that we do good works. The second one is this, we do good works to show our thankfulness to God. Remember, this section is the section on gratitude. And we, we show our gratitude for God's mercy and His grace as a right response. But it's also a response that is noted in Scripture. I mean, yes, we should do these things. We should, we should obey God out of thankfulness to Him. But we also see that the Scripture commands that, and we should obey Him out of our gratitude. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Those are all things that we need to turn away from. Stop doing this. Obey Christ in these ways and obey Him in this positive way. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, that last phrase is incredibly important. The fact that we have tasted the goodness and kindness of the Lord. That is what fuels and motivates our turning from sin and our longing to grow up in the Word. We don't obey God in order to earn something from God, but because Christ has accomplished salvation for us and granted it to us freely by grace, now we obey out of gratitude and thankfulness to God. Number three, we do good works... So that God might receive praise. So let's just go back and, and think this through. We we do good works because Christ, by his Spirit, is in us, renewing us to be like Him. We do good works to show our thankfulness and gratitude to God, but we also do good works so that God might receive praise. Praise from us, praise from our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also praise from those in the world. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, he was teaching about The fact that God has made us to be lights in the world. And he says that we are to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. And so our obedience to God, when we obey his commands, we are proving that he is good and we are displaying his goodness to the world. Number four, we do good works so that we can be assured of our faith by our fruits. Now, there's plenty of teaching in the New Testament, uh, about how uh, when, when the root of our faith is rightly placed in Christ, it will produce the fruit of a life that, that knows and loves Jesus and obeys Jesus. Yes, God alone saves us by grace and through faith. We are saved by faith alone, but it is not by a faith that is alone. You've probably heard that before. When we do good works in response to our salvation by grace, we are producing fruit from a heart that is rooted in Christ. And Jesus, he taught about this in the Gospels. Uh, He taught about this in Matthew chapter 7, but he also taught about this in Luke chapter 6. He says in verse 43, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Now That's a very key phrase. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The whole point of that is to say that um, our the, the condition of our heart, or, or maybe I should say it this, what fills our heart is going to it's going to flow out of us out of the abundance of our heart our life is going to put on some, put something on display and when we do good works it is a it is an assurance to us it's a, it's a confidence builder for us that when we obey Christ that that Christ truly has changed our hearts and so number 5 we do good works in the hopes that others might see and the gospel might be commended to them now I could go back to Matthew 5 again and just read that thing about good works so that others may see it and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. But there are other passages. Uh, For instance, in 1 Peter 2, Peter tells us to keep our conduct among the Gentiles honorable, right? So let your life, let your good work, let your conduct be an honorable conduct so that when the Gentiles see us and when they speak against us as evildoers, they may see our good deeds. And glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think it means this: that in our our working out our salvation in a very public way, when we when we obey Christ in a public way, even in the midst of opposition, there there's some testimony that that bears weight on people. And our hope is that that others may see our obedience. And not just see our good works, but look beyond them to see the goodness of God. And perhaps they too will find their hope in God. They will find their hope in Christ. And so on the day when Christ visits the world, when the day day comes that Christ returns to judge the living and the dead, it may just be that those Gentiles heard the message of the gospel, but they saw our good deeds, and they too put their hope in Christ. Paul in Philippians chapter 2 says this, Do all things... Without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. This is a darkened world. Jesus said that quite clearly to us in the Gospel of John. This is a darkened world and the light of Christ has shone into the world and we as little lights are going out into the world and we are shining the knowledge of the glory of God and we're pointing people to Christ. And so our good works are done in the hopes that others may see and that the gospel may be commended to them. The bottom line is is that the New Testament is filled with passages that call us to respond to the grace of God in our lives with faithful obedience to the commands of God. It doesn't call us to perfect obedience. Perfection was achieved by Christ alone, and His perfection was attributed to us when we believed. But in response to His amazing grace and love, we are called to love Him and to obey His commands. So that's Question and answer 86. Let's look at question and answer for 87. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful? And in penitent ways. In other words, um, can salvation be rightly understood to belong to those who have not done good works, who have not turned from their sin and trusted God in good works? And the question, the answer is this: By no means. Scripture Scripture tells us that no unchaste person, no idolater, adulterer, thief, no covetous person, no drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like, is going to inherit the kingdom of God. So. If obedience to the commands of Christ is important for those who are saved, it is also a key component to determining whether or not a person is truly saved. Many people claim to be believers. Many people claim to be in Christ, and yet their life bears the fruit of a heart that has not been changed. Jesus teaches this unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. This is in Luke chapter 13. People who claim to be Christians but continue to live in unrepentant sin are a walking contradiction. And the end of their lives will be to perish. Now, we just finished studying through the New Testament letter of 1 John. And throughout the letter of 1 John... John wants to help the church understand the relationship between our faith in Christ and our obedience to Christ. He he wants us to know the truth that our relationship to God, the spiritual reality of our relationship to God, has a huge impact on the way we conduct ourselves in this world, our physical reality. John writes this. He says, if we say we have fellowship with God, who is light, but we continue to walk in the darkness, then our word, what we say, is a lie, and we are not practicing, we're not walking in the truth. And John is pointing out that there must be consistency between one's profession of faith and one's conduct. You can say that you're right with God all day, but if your life is defined by sin, then you are lying about your relationship to God. You might have made a profession of faith, but if your life is defined by sin, then your profession of faith is suspect and quite possibly could be a lie John says now John is not saying he's not saying that we must be perfectly sinless in this life When he uses the phrase walking in darkness, a person that is walking in darkness, he's talking about a person, uh, well, I'll just get into the Greek a little bit. He's he's using the, the present active verb tense, and that present active verb tense, it indicates this ongoing action. So what John is talking about here, he's talking about a person who has never truly come to a knowledge of Christ. This is a person who has never truly repented of sin and begun to follow Jesus. They may have said, yeah, I believe this, but they've never... truly parted from their way of life that was dominated by sin. So John is not referring to a person who struggles with temptation and sin as a believer who's truly, you know, sought to repent. But he's talking about a person whose life is completely defined by sin. This is the person who keeps on walking in darkness, someone who is comfortably living in sin, thinking that it has no impact on their spiritual condition. And there's a major difference between a person whose life is controlled by sin and a person who is seeking to repent of and overcome temptations to sin. If we are not walking in the light, then we have no reason for believing that our sins are covered. There is no assurance of salvation while you continue to live under the dominion of sin. I mean... So that's what the catechism is getting at. That's what 1 John is getting at. That that if there is no change in our lives in respect to the obedience that Christ commands, then we have no reason to trust that our hearts have truly been changed by His grace. But, but, if we are trusting in Christ as the light of the world sent to free us from the darkness of sin and death, and if we are walking in the light as He is in the light then we should have confidence that we belong to Him and that our sins are covered by His blood. And when we stumble in sin, we can go back and think about 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we stumble in sin, or I should say when we stumble in sin, we can have confidence that if we confess our sins to Him, He'll be faithful. He'll forgive us. He'll cleanse us. You see, your faith in Christ matters, but so does your faithfulness to Christ and some people might say, well, this doesn't sound a whole lot like good news, but it is. Because a gospel that is powerless to change your life is not a very powerful gospel. Grace that leaves us wallowing in sin is cheap grace. But the grace that truly saves is also a grace that truly changes us from sons of darkness to children of light. Now, next week, we're going to continue our study in the this gratitude that we should show in response to God's grace. And I hope that you will join me again next week as we look at Lord's Day 33, questions 88 through 91. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you so much for listening.